Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I'm Tyler. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. We're going to keep pushing the Isla King Future Fund. Um, so a few months ago, as many of you, all, all our listeners are, definitely know, but if you're new, Isla Keen is a little girl who heard that lost her dad tragically in October, um, but there is a GoFundMe to help with the financial burden of that moving forward. So we're going to keep pushing that. That'll be in the description of this show on all the listening platforms as well as YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, go follow us there. Subscribe to our channel and go follow us on all of our social medias at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're on everything. So if you want to do that, that would be greatly appreciated. And before we get into the actual show, I just want to give a little... Uh, Public service announcement, and this is completely irony, so don't take this seriously. Cyberbullying works, and I am proof of it because, oh. <laughs> because I, along with many others, cyberbullied a USFF, USFL team into changing their colors because the Pittsburgh Maulers were that dreaded orange and purple because all Pittsburgh wants to be reminded of when they think of a different brand of football in Pittsburgh is the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. What a better color combination they could have had. But I, along with many others, were included in a video that showed that the Pittsburgh Maulers were deciding to change their colors to black and gold. So don't let anybody tell you differently. Cyberbullying works, and I am firsthand of it. Don't cyberbully people, people. It's 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 not it's not right. <laughs> but sport sports teams, maybe they're Twitter sports accounts. teams. You can cyberbully and it works. <laughs> um, as long as you keep in mind that there is an actual human being behind the account. But in terms of what you're talking about, yeah, it was all in good. Oh fun, yeah, and especially my awesome. tweet. I didn't even. It wasn't yeah. even. I wasn't even quoting a Pittsburgh Maulers tweet. I went back and looked, yeah. and I was quoting a like USFL thing, just talking about all the all the logos. I'm just like, I can't believe that the Pittsburgh Maulers, you're going to have a Pittsburgh team and it's not Pittsburgh colors. And yeah. on top of that, they're the colors of the Steelers most hated teams. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never even thought about that aspect of it, but um, good that they're going to be, you know, going to the black and gold, like the rest of Pittsburgh's teams. Um, you mentioned the Alakine fund. I do want to say it is uh, as of recording this on January 25th, it also is Dalton's birthday. So, you know, happy first heavenly birthday to my good friend Dalton, who passed away in October. Um, Kaylee and Isla, we're, we are thinking about you even more than we normally do today. Um, I, I was texting with her earlier. We're happy that we finally got a date set in stone, by the way, for Isla to go see those fire trucks uh, February 4th. We're going to go see oh, him. So hopefully nice. we can get some pictures of her with him, too, which oddly enough is my late grandma's birthday. So, you know. A lot, lot of weird coincidences there, but it just worked out for my uncle who has to kind of round up trucks from a couple of different departments all in one place. So we're going to do that. So that is what one week from Saturday, I believe. Yep. Um, so, yeah, happy that we finally have a date set in stone for her to go see those. That's kind of like her one Christmas present from us that we were able to do other than being able to do the stuff for the Salvation Army in Dalton's name. So uh, great stuff. But just wanted to add that because uh, the GoFundMe link will be in our uh our show for I don't know how long. <laughs> so we're just yeah, putting it in for there. the foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah. Um, switching now to talk about some sports, not a whole lot to talk about. Honestly, I, we're going to spend a lot of time with the Steelers. I think because of what we're going to do an exercise that I want to do. I put this in there. You had no idea what it was going to be. Actually, a lot of the time when I put the topics into the show, you don't know what they're going to be until right. Really, if you look at them or yeah, if you looked at them during the day, maybe. Yeah, no, I, I, I know what topic you're talking about. And I looked at it right before the show. No idea what to expect for that. So 
Um, but I do want to start to talk about the Pirates because uh, they made the Andrew McCutcheon signing official had a press conference, and I want to talk about something you brought up then. But the corresponding move is the one I wanted to ask you about. I'm not necessarily surprised by this. Maybe some people are. Miguel Andy Harvey and DFA'd as the corresponding move. I think people thought there was probably another guy or two on the roster that they would see go before him. Um, but I'm not necessarily upset about it. I didn't know where they were going to find at-bats for him or where there was really a spot for him. Um, he drove in some runs last year in a limited time, but he wasn't getting on base. I mean, he doesn't really bring much in the field. I don't have an issue with this. And, and by the way, he might end up finding his way back. By the way. like, It's been five days since they DFA'd him. I, I haven't heard any news since that, so he could find his way back to the Pirates if nobody claims him. Maybe he starts out in the minors this year. I mean, yeah. he'll probably be at spring training, so who knows how this ends up playing out. But were you surprised that it was Miguel Andy Hart that DFA'd is the corresponding move, or, or did you think that he really didn't have a place on this club at this time? I mean, I thought he could have a place, but it doesn't surprise me that he was the one move just because of how poorly. I mean, he, he was okay for the Pirates in his short stint with them last year, but prior to that, besides that 2018 season yeah. that I'm thinking of, yeah. he, that's still a rookie season that he had. Outside of that, he's been a pretty mediocre MLB player, and I, it, it doesn't has really got better for him since that rookie season. It seems to be a downward trend. And so we don't know whether that would have continued into this season. And it could, because like you said, he could still be on the Pirates. It doesn't surprise me, though, just because he doesn't have the track record besides that one rookie season to be really held up or ha have some some weight in his, his camp for why he shouldn't be the one that got DFA'd. And it, it's not really surprising because you're kind of – someone had to go. And you're expecting yeah. somebody – you're not going to cut some of the guys that have performed for you. And like you said, he wasn't really getting on base last year in that short stint. Uh, and so you'd, you'd think if he was going to perform well, he'd want to do it at the end of the season when he was with the Pirates. That way they actually thought they had something there and could work with him, which they still very well could. But like you said, it's been five days and nobody's claimed him. But I don't think it's that surprising because after that rookie season, Miguel Andujar has not been the same player. He's not the player everybody thought he was going to be after that. I mean, the Yankees kind of thought they, that they had a gem over at third base and it turned out to be pretty mm -hmm. bad the next few seasons. And then, with the, with the Pirates, I mean, maybe he could turn into an okay third baseman if he does stick around and maybe starts out in Indy or something and then works his way back up. But it doesn't surprise me just because of the track record that Eduard has that he's the one that got sent down. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm in agreement for sure. I, I just didn't think there was necessarily a spot for him, but I know some people are probably going to look at the roster and, and the name recognition that Eduard comes with and say, why, why him? Why now? But yeah, this isn't a surprising move um, to anybody really in in the know. Um, and then the, the I mean, last I'm looking, one, I'm looking yeah. at his. I'm just looking at his his baseball reference right now. Outside mm -hmm. of that 2018 season, he's had a sub 300 on base percentage every single one of those seasons. Um, a lot it, of injuries it, in there too. Yeah, so. a lot of injuries, like especially in the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Um, but in, in the in 2021. He had a 284 on base percentage, and he played in 106. Or he, he played in 45 games, 162 plate appearances. I'm, I'm sorry. And then last year in 36 games, 257 or 257 on base percentage. He had a 275 in those nine games of the Pirates, but it, it's just really nothing to write home about. Not nothing impressive. Yeah, it doesn't if, walk. If, you, if that was a regular in your lineup, you'd be like, why is this guy in the lineup? He's just a black hole in his roster or in his lineup spot. So it. it I would complain if someone like that was in the lineup daily, which again, he very well could be eventually, but not right now. Yeah. Um, 
maybe he does circle back. I, I just, yeah, right now, right now, it doesn't surprise me that he was the guy that was DFA'd. I He's wanted to one bring hit up, wonder. True. I wanted to bring up something Touch said though, because I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about last week. Like we didn't necessarily see this as just one and done coming back to the Pirates, and it doesn't seem like a farewell tour. And that's exactly what he said. Like he wouldn't just be coming back to the Pirates just to end his career with the Pirates. He feels like this team is good enough or going to be good enough in the near future to come back now. Like this just feels like the right time. He turned down the exact same offer on the table from the Minnesota Twins and he had more money on the table from the New York Mets and he opted to come back to Pittsburgh. I I think it was kind of both. Like I I feel like it definitely was the right time to come back to Pittsburgh because he can see what's on the horizon potentially with, with the talent that's coming up. It blended with what is here now and it's also obviously he's in the twilight of his career like how many years does he realistically think he has left it just seems like the perfect blend of everything for him getting the opportunity to come home there's certainly playing time on the table he's going to be a regular in the lineup you would think and yeah within the next year or two this team very well could be better than what or should be better than what we've seen the past couple seasons and maybe they are competing for a playoff spot um so I, I took that away from the press conference just because it's the exact same thing we said last week. Like, we don't think this is the last year of Andrew McCutcheon in Pittsburgh. It might be a one-year deal, but I very well think he could re-up after this and stick along for the next year or two following that when this team is supposed to be good. Yeah, and that, that basically just goes hand-in-hand hand with what we were saying. Um, this team is going to need that veteran presence that's been there, done that. And I think guys like him and if G-Man Choi is around when that, when that happens, if he sticks with Pittsburgh – that guys like that could be a good locker room presence for this baseball team because, like we were saying, is th- this this team is young. A lot of the talent on this team is young, and there's more talent that's going to be coming that we would expect to be some of the core pieces of these potential playoff runs that we we're hope- hoping to see. Kutch is a perfect guy to have leading that team, not necessarily with his play on the field, but being the leader in the locker room that is showing the guys – how to win and how to act on a ball club like that. And I I think it goes perfectly hand in hand with Kutch because not only is it a possible, like he doesn't want to do a farewell tour and he he can take this team to the playoffs again, but also if it doesn't work out on the flip side of that, like the team doesn't really win, it could still be a farewell tour because he's not going to go to a better city to have his fandom any bigger than it is in Pittsburgh if he is at the end of his career. Whether the Pirates win or not, it's a it's a win-win for Andrew McCutcheon, in my opinion, because if he doesn't get to the playoffs or doesn't get to the postseason like he wants to with Pittsburgh and like, like we hoped and anticipated that they could within the next couple years with some of the guys they have coming up, then on the flip side of that, he's in the best-case scenario for the end of his career to be in the city where it all started and where his fans are the most. And so I just think it's a win-win for Kutch no matter what scenario happens. Yeah, I mean, I I 100% agree, but it was just nice to hear him. And, and, you know, words are words, and obviously maybe he's catering to the crowd a little bit, but to hear him say he wouldn't just be coming back just to come back to Pittsburgh. Like, if he felt like this team didn't have a chance to win in the near future, he wouldn't have come back. Well, here's the thing. If he if he wanted to if he wanted to just come back to Pittsburgh just to come back to Pittsburgh and winning had nothing to do with it, do with it, why would he sign the three year deal with Philly? Why wouldn't he have just come back to Pittsburgh right away? I, I, I think that he's coming back because he truly believes the words he's saying. because uh, if, if not, then he would have come back to Pittsburgh in twenty nineteen when he signed that extension with the with the uh f- with well, Philadelphia. You know, he spent 
uh, a year in Milwaukee too. I mean, I, I oh, don't yeah. know when the I completely forgot he was in Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't know when the Pirates, you know, first tried to to bring him back. I'm not sure if it happened before this year. We're hearing Ben Sherrington talk about it. It maybe did happen, and he chose Milwaukee over Pittsburgh last year. I don't know, but I mean, it, here here we are now, and, and it's good that we got to this point now. And it was nice to hear him He's say probably that coming back now because the Pirates have finally brought up O'Neill Cruz. And that's what he was waiting for. How, the, first off, it's hilarious the graphic that they put up of those two because they're like the same height in that graphic. Um, <laughs> but but hearing him talk about O'Neill, it is it is awesome because you know now he's don't, like you hope that O'Neill is the face of the Pirates for a long time and to have like the last face of the franchise. Nothing against Brian Reynolds, but like a personality thing, he's not really that guy. T. Brian Hayes is a very good defensive player. You you hope that the bat keeps up with that. But neither one of those guys are like face of the franchise types. O'Neill Cruz potentially is. And to have McCutcheon come back to kind of pass that torch to him late in his career, that's also another very cool storyline that we're getting with this Pirates team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think Kutch all around, like we said last week, like we've been saying this week, it, it, it just brings so much more enthusiasm to this ball club, probably in the locker room and in the fans. Not that the I, I think the players are enthused no matter what, but I just think like having him back in the locker room and those players know what he means to Pittsburgh. And I feel like yeah. that will juice them up even more. I'm trying to think like uh, Key Brian would have been in the minors still when Kutch was in Pittsburgh. Like, but I'm trying to think JT Brubaker would have been around. I'm trying to think who was around Mitch Keller, who on these this Pirates team now was like at least in the system the last time Kutch was in Pittsburgh. Because those guys mm-hmm. would certainly know how much he meant, you know, just within that room and how much weight his name carried. Oh, absolutely. So, but, um, all right, we're going to move along now. Like I said, I got kind of a surprise exercise here for us. We're going to go through the Steelers UFAs, and you're going to tell me if you think they're going to be on the 2023 Steelers. I will, of course, give my answer as well, but I've had some a little bit more time, obviously, to think about this because I know I was going to put this on the topic list. So um, I, I'm not going to do this in any specific order. I'm literally on uh, spot track right now, so it's going to be in the, the order that I see them. I got to make sure that it says UFA and not RFA under these because I only want to do UFAs. So, well, RFAs um, isn't there only two? Uh, isn't it? Isn't it just? Uh, yeah, Stephen Sims is an RFA. JC Hassenauer, James, James Pierre, Pierre, and Jameer Jones is an exclusive rights free agent. Okay, but yeah, There's everybody else is a UFA. Yeah, right. Um, so I'm just gonna start at the top here, Larry Ogunjobi. Yes. I, th- I think Ooh, he'll be back. Okay. I, I think they need D line help. That that's I, and, and and I know you're gonna get to him eventually. Chris Wormley for me will also be a yes for the sim- similar reason because I don't know Ooh. where they're going to get D line help. Uh, yeah. unless they're they're signing free agents elsewhere. Are they only going to rely on the draft otherwise to, to get another D lineman? I don't think so. So it's either they're gonna keep the guys that they have right now or they're going to get someone off of a different team f- from free agency. And I, I think that they they will knowing I mean the Steelers kind of stick with familiarity a lot of the time, and so I just feel like that. I know we haven't gotten to Chris Wormley, but one of Larry Ogajo well or Chris Wormley are going to be back. I'll say yes to both, just because they need D line help, and th- like those are two of the guys that had played a lot of snaps this season, and I just can't imagine them going away and the Steelers being fine with their defensive line room the way it is. Yeah. Um, 
well, we might as well. We'll just tie them both in. I just got to remember to not say Wormley's name when he comes up then. Um, yeah. I'm going to say no for Joby, but I'm going to say yes for Wormley. The reason being money. I, I think they can get Wormley back cheaper because of him suffering the injury, obviously, unfortunately. I mean, he had played pretty well. I think he could have gotten a decent contract, whether that be from the Steelers or somewhere else. But I think to the benefit of the Steelers from a financial aspect here, they're going to be able to give him a, a little bit of a discount because of coming off that injury. In Joby's case, I think he was able to kind of rebound on this one year, $8 million deal. But I look at it like, man, he was getting a three year, $40 million contract in this past free agency before the foot thing popped up. And I just think with the way he played this year, you know, maybe a little bit up and down, but I think he stabilized himself to get another decent payday in free agency. And I just don't think that comes from the Steelers. I think that we see a more elevated role from the Marvin Leal next season. I think that they maybe give, you know, more reps to louder milk and count on. And I'm not saying that's going to work out. I just think that's the way the Steelers are going to approach it because of the financial ramifications of bringing back Larry Joby. They got to, I mean, they can't pay everybody. I just think those dollars go elsewhere. I would like to have Joby back. I just don't think they make it happen from a financial standpoint. Yeah, I think they need to bring back at least one of the two, though. I don't think you can let both of them go and then hope yeah. that you either land another free agent or some get somebody in the draft and that they're able to play right away. You need to bring one of those two guys back. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Mason Rudolph is the next name on the list. I, I, is this what I think they'll do or what I what I what I want them to do? I'm surprised that you would have a different. I mean, I'm no like very quickly. I just think while they might like to ha- have him back because of a backup and maybe he can't land a role somewhere else. I just think that he's like to the point with with the organization and fan base where he himself thinks that he can get at least a backup job somewhere. Okay. And he's kind of. Okay. So let me ask you this then. Is Mitch Trubisky back? I know he's not a UFA, <laughs> but is he going to be on the Steelers? Because. If we're taking our quarterback room and just gashing it and all we're going to have is Kenny, then I have a tougher time saying no to Mason Rudolph. Yeah, I, I think that they'll definitely I mean, they're going to bring in a veteran backup, in my opinion, elsewhere. I don't I don't think I think Kenny was the only quarterback that we saw on the team this year that is back next year. I, know, I think Josh Jobs is back. It could be. I, I think that from a financial standpoint, they can't afford to pay like when you look at it as what they'd be paying the quarterback room, I think it would be fine to bring Mitch back. But in totality of the team, when you look at where they're at cap wise, they're going to need yeah. that money. I just think that you can get a backup cheaper. Uh, Josh Dobbs, there, there's a bunch of guys out there that I think could come in and be a backup quarterback and you'd be fine. I just think Mason Rudolph looks for greener pastures. Yeah, that's that's why I kind of asked, like, what do I think they're going to do or what do I think I would do? Because yeah. what I think they're going to do is they'll they'll move on. I mean, there was a lot of talk whether they should move on this past offseason or not or trade him or try to get anything for him. Obviously, yeah. that didn't happen. But I, I think they're going to move on. I mean, his, his time in Pittsburgh seems like it's done. The only reason I personally would consider bringing him back is just the familiarity with the offense and the organization. I wouldn't mind him as the backup and he'd be willing to be here. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. I, I, I think that I would bring him back to be the backup with the sole purpose of you know this system, so if Kenny gets hurt or whatever, you're able to come in, and we're not going to skip much of a beat. Obviously, we will on talent, it seems like, but as far as somebody who knows the ins and outs of the offense, we wouldn't be missing anything there. So I would personally bring him back if they could work it out with the, with uh, Mason Rudolph. I don't think it happens, though. Right. Uh, the next one, also very easy for me, it's Devin Bush. I, I'm no. I'll let you go first. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> I, 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 I just... I think that chapter is is closed. That book is closed on on Pittsburgh. 
Um, it, it seemed like it could have been rejuvenated a little bit to start the season. It seemed like he was getting a little bit better as some of the games went on the, the first half of the season. But the second half, it was just more of the same. He, he was not the same linebacker that we saw in his rookie year after that injury. And so f- for those reasons, I'm out to quote Shark Tank. Um, but I, I just think that the, he, he's going to be gone. He, he's going to be let go. They, I mean, they, they didn't pick up this fifth-year option because he had been so bad. And you would think that with some urgency because of that, he would be looking to ball out in that contract year. And it just didn't happen. And, it, and honestly, at times he looked even worse. He played in like 5% of the snaps over the last two weeks or whatever it was. His, his time in Pittsburgh is done. Yeah, 10 snaps over the last two weeks. So I he got supplanted by Mark Robinson. So yeah. I who was a seventh round rookie who played one year of linebacker before this year. So yeah, I, I also think it's just time for a fresh start for both sides. He even tweeted something like about he was watching other teams and he was like taking note of the way certain defenses ran and thinking he would be a good fit in it. Like I, I mean, he's openly basically tweeting about who his next team's gonna be. He's not going to be back. I think it's just time to move on. He's watching teams with good linebackers. Does he think he's going to start on those teams? (laughs) That's a good point, too. (laughs) If he's he's watching teams, that means those are playoff teams. Does he think he's going to start on a playoff team? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you saw what the Giants threw out there at off-ball linebacker in a playoff game, but he might have been able to start for that team. Um, But other than that, yeah, I don't know. Um, Moving on. Uh, maybe their most, um, most people would say this is the guy they have to keep. I'm curious as to where we can go with it. Cam Sutton. Yeah, I, I, I think you have to, I, I think, I think you do. You got to make the money work. Um, but he is one of your only corners that you can, I think, truly rely on. Um, the, the corner room going into the season, we talked about the depth behind the starting corners was fairly thin. And I, I think if you lose Cam Sutton, you're not making your team any better by doing that. I think he should be one of the top priorities for the for the team in general, but especially the defense going into this free agency. I, I, I think he's easily top two or three player that are current free agents on the Steelers that you need to bring back because outside of the, the him be, losing him on the corners, that room looks terrible to me top to bottom. Yeah. I mean, if you are, if he is walking to me, that becomes like, and obviously the value would have to line up, but you really start to think like pick 17 has to be cornered because you got to get somebody that can play right away. Well, a lot of mocks and, are already going there. Mo Kuyper, yeah. he, his mock mm-hmm. came out today and it was Joey Porter Jr. So, and I think right. even if they bring back Cam Sutton, they could still go corner sure. and I wouldn't yeah. complain at 17. But no. if, if Sutton walks, then you definitely need to take a corner at either 17 or 32 wherever it lines up because that room gets very bare. It was already bare because we talked about that in the preseason, what the depth looks like outside of like Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace, and behind the starters. It's pretty thin at corner on the defense still. So they need to bring him back. Um, Market value on spot track has him at three years, 22 million. I think for him, that's great. I mean, you look at the, he was coming off a two-year, nine million dollar contract. This one that he just came, that he just signed, um, but he he far outperformed that four and a half million dollars this for this past season. And and like you said, I mean, you look at 
what he brings to that corner room as opposed to everybody else. Like they've tried to find corners, Akella Witherspoon in a trade. They bring in William Jackson who didn't play at all, but like they keep throwing darts trying to find corners. I will say, I thought Levi Wallace was at the very least serviceable. I mean, he can be back next year and I think be fine. Um, But Cam Sutton's the guy in that room. And I think that he even got better this year. He had his best year as a pro this year for sure. But I think there was some question after last year's like, is he going to be able to play outside or is he strictly just like a nickel? I thought he had a great year this year playing on the outside too. So um, yeah, I think he has to be back and I, and I think that he is back. I think that they will prioritize him. I think in Tomlin, especially like Terrell Austin's a defensive back guy. I think, you know, how much say he has is TBD, but if it's his call, obviously Cam Sutton's back, but a guy that can just wear multiple hats for the defense. I know they're going to prioritize that. I just can't see a way that, that they let him go unless it's just like ridiculous. Like he wants like, true cb1 money and we're talking like 10 plus million or something like that which i just don't see being the case yeah i i don't either he he he, like i said top priority top probably two three if you want to argue that he's the top priority i i'd hear you out on that he is to me so yeah yeah, yeah, exactly so 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 he needs to be back uh next one Derek watt at the money that he was making no if you want to bring him back for a lot less than what his past contract was, I mean, making like three and a half million dollars a year to essentially play special teams. Um, no. And so, so for those reasons, I'm also going to say no. Um, I just, I, I personally thought he was like a wasted contract on the team. Uh, he, he did bring some special teams value to the team. He was very good at that, but I just thought as a fullback, he was so underutilized in the, the offense which we actually saw a little bit at towards the end of this year. He was used a little bit more. He actually yeah. did score a touchdown in a game. Um, but I, I just am going to say no, unless that money is like a $1 million, $1.5 million contract, as opposed to like a $3.5 million contract. I just think the way that the Steelers run their offense, he's just not utilized enough. And I just don't think that paying $3.5 million for a special teams player is worth it. Yeah, I for me... Whether or not I would pay whatever I think he's going to get is a different question. I think he's going to be back, though. Like, I have no clue what the number is going to be. I just think that they like him that much on special teams. And, and as we go through the names here, you're going to notice so many of their special teams unit are unrestricted free agents. Some of them are going to be brought back. I think Derek Watt is one of them. And also what you mentioned down the stretch, they were also using him as kind of like a short yardage specialist to scoring touchdowns, even on like some, some fourth and one third and one situations, he was getting the ball. I think he's going to have a little bit more of a role in the offense next season. I think he's back. I I have no clue what the contract looks like. It better not be more than like 1.5 million, but I, I think he is back at the end of the day. Yeah. I guess the way I was talking is I was talking is like what I would do as if you were getting to make the decision. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess that's the way I was talking and I, I think he'll be back also. And maybe this is a stupid reason and not a valid one because he's DJ. a lot. Yeah. Uh, that, that also is a reason like, I, I just feel like Steelers are going to have a hard time upsetting the brother and their current uh, best player on their team. So it, it, that that makes it kind of a awkward situation, maybe a little bit. So I, I think he will be back. It's just, yeah. I guess I was talking from my perspective. I wouldn't pay him the three and a half million, but if it's like one and a half million, I, I'd be fine with that. 
Um, Jesse Davis. This is an easy one. No, uh, I mean, no. I don't even know who. Yeah, yeah. Who? <laughs> I, I don't thanks know who for Jesse being Davis on the. Is. Thanks for being on the field goal and PAT units this year, Jesse. But uh, oh, was he no, actually? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I, have, I think so. I couldn't have told yeah. you that. I've never heard of that guy in my entire life. Provided depth for the team. In past years, we probably see this guy, but again, we brought it up before. The Steelers were so fortunate to be able to run out the same five offensive linemen this year for every single game, so we never had to see this guy. They made a trade for him from the Vikings and didn't have to play a snap on offense. Oh, is that so. guy. I remember yeah. that trade happening, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. I, you could have said, did the, did the Steelers make a trade with the Vikings? I would have said, yeah. <laughs> Who was it? Yeah. I have no idea. Apparently, right. it was Jace, Jesse Davis. So never heard of that guy since that trade. <laughs> Uh, this one's going to hurt a little bit. Tyson Alualu is going to be a no. Um, obviously got, you know, lost his starting role. Didn't really see him much down the stretch here. Um, I, I think very good chance that he hangs them up and retires. He doesn't play for anybody else, but he's definitely not playing for Pittsburgh next year. So this is an easy no for me. Um, can I be validated that my disappointment of the year was correct? Whenever our, on our preseason predictions, cause mine was t- Tyson Alualu. Yeah. And mine I, was not thankfully. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you remember mind, who mine was? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, wait. Hmm. I don't know. James Daniels. Oh, okay. If mine would have been right, the Steelers would have been in big trouble, I think. If yours would have been right, the Steelers would have had a losing season. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think there's that much, there's that much weight on that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I I think I hit the nail on the head pretty pretty much, um, with with my disappointment player because I, I just thought the injury was going to be too much at his age, thirty five years old, and mm-hmm. coming back he lost the starting role. I, I I agree with you. I think there's a good chance that he's going to retire. I don't know that there's going to be a team that is going to be really looking at him and wanting him, especially after becoming benched partway through the season. I don't think a team is going to look at that unless they really need the defensive line depth. And I was just I was just talking about how much the Steelers need defensive line depth, and this is a defensive lineman that I just don't see back. I think his time at Pittsburgh is done, and potentially the NFL is done. But I'm happy and give my little self a pat on the back for my, my prediction for being right. I'm sorry to Tyson that my prediction was right. I wish it wasn't, but it, it just seemed like – the writing was on the wall for how this season could turn out off such a, like a gruesome injury that he had. It's tough to come back, especially at his age and such a physical position that he plays that he wasn't going to be the same. And so, yeah, I, I think it's an easy no. Uh, Marcus Allen. Okay. <laughs> Here's a tough one because if, if I'm just looking at Mike Marcus Allen as, linebackers slash safety, whatever you want to call them. I, it's, it's an easy no for me, but he's one of those guys that we're talking about that is on special teams. Then that plays special teams quite a bit. They're going to need some um, special teams guys. Back. They're going to yeah. need some special teams guys, but I'm going to say no. Um, I, I think his time as Pittsburgh done, especially with that bicep injury that sucks that, that happened for him. Um, but I think that was basically the last time we'll see Marcus Allen in the Steelers uniform. Um, after that injury happened. So I don't think he's coming back. I don't either. I, I think that I would probably feel a little bit differently if they hadn't like already cut him prior to last season and then brought him back. Like we've seen them do that already. I think now they'll just 
you know, replace that spot by somebody else. Not saying he's not a contributor on special teams, because I think that he is. I think that, you know, a, a good majority of his teammates like him. He seems to be a pretty fun guy in the locker room, obviously. But, you know, that can only go so far. I, I just don't think that he's going to be back. So that is what it is. Uh, this one's going to be an interesting one. I, I would love to have him back. Throw Edmonds. Hmm. I think the only thing that is holding me back is whether I think he's going to get paid by a different team or not. Because the Steelers were going to have to do what they didn't do last offseason. Luckily, they were able to get him back on that one-year deal. Um, but I, I think Terrell Edmonds showed that he does bring value, even though he is not a uh, top ball hawk type safety. He does bring value outside of being playing the ball well. Um, he's a very sure tackler, gets right positioning and everything. I, I think that it's going to be tough to bring him back because I think he'll be looking for a contract this time that he was probably looking for last offseason. Um, and, and he didn't get, which is why he ended up being at the Steelers. But I think he kind of showed like, hey, I, I, I could still play on that one year contract, kind of like the opposite of what Devin Bush did. He actually played well whenever he needed to play for another contract. Um, so I'm actually going to say no, just because I think he's going to take a money from somewhere else and he's going to get a bigger contract than what the Steelers are going to be able to offer him. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, Jerry Dulac uh, said the Steelers aren't going to be able to afford him. He doesn't think so. He thinks like you, he also departs in free agency. Um, it's tough. Uh, he, he's talked about it before. Like, obviously he would love to be here, but he also mentioned uh, something that I took away because he was asked about like going into the negotiating process for a second straight season. And he said, this year I know how to negotiate because he went yeah. through that process last year. That to me sounds like a guy that's looking for an increase in pay. And when I look at the Steelers again, like not everybody's going to be back. Money's going to be cut from somewhere. I think they're going to want him back, but I think they're going to want him back at a lower number than what he's looking for this year. I'm I'm with you. I don't think that he's back, unfortunately. And I don't know what the team is going to do to replace that. Um, because there's not like Trey Norwood isn't a player like Terrell Edmonds. If you want to say like another name that we'll bring up, let's just bring him up now. Demonte KZ, he's not necessarily the same type of player either. No. I, I don't know what the answer is here for you know replacing Terrell Edmonds. Um Demonte KZ, though, let's just transition to that. Where are you on Demonte KZ? I do think KZ is back. Um, mm, okay. I, I, I think they're going to need safety help from somewhere. I thought he played pretty decent, um, overall when he did get to play. Um, cause yeah, he it'd been nice to have preseason. him the whole year. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, he's not going to replace Edmonds. He's kind of like somewhere in between the styles of like what Minka and what Edmonds are. Cause, I mean, Edmonds and Minka are so far apart in terms of style. Um, I think Casey's somewhere in the middle there. But I, I do think they're they're going to need some safety help, and I think Casey played well enough where he's going to come back. and And I think because he did have that injury, he's not going to be able to like look for a ton of money in the open market. Um, so I, I think it will be easier for the Steelers to bring him back, unlike Edmonds. And just speaking on Edmonds again, I, I was just thinking about this while you were talking, and I I kind of feel the similar way about Edmonds that I did about Bud Dupree. Not the same money value, obviously. Mm. I mean, Bud got paid. But it's just kind of like Bud wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. Terrell Edmonds wants to stay in Pittsburgh. And obviously the Steelers wanted both of them. 
but they're going to get money elsewhere that they weren't going to get in Pittsburgh. So it, it was just kind of like stuck between a rock and a hard place and it was forced to leave. So that's kind of how I'm yep. looking at the Edmonds situation. But as far as KZ, I think he's he's going to bring be brought back just because I don't think he'll get the open market money that someone like Edmonds is going to get. And I think that they could use the help in their safeties. Yeah, I, I think the nice thing when Bud left was we knew we had Alex Highsmith, at least in the way yeah. we got to see like a decent bit of him because of Bud's injury the previous year. It's such a question mark if Edmonds goes. KZ being back would obviously help. Um, I'm going to say he's back too. And I think that like the biggest thing for me is how well he did play down the stretch and the Steelers realizing like, man, that would have been nice to have all the weeks that we missed him. Mm-hmm. Let's, I don't want to say get our money's worth because now you have to give him a new contract anyway, but let's, you know, make this marriage continue because we liked what we saw in such a small sample size from both sides. Like he talked about it too. He wants literally every single player that is an unrestricted free agent for the Steelers this year said they want to be back. I mean, they're not going to say that they don't unless you're like Devin Bush. They're PR but, trained. I mean, yeah. Um, so, I, but I agree with you. I think Demonte Casey is going to be back. Um, I'm curious to see what role they put him in because he can do a lot of different things. Like he played some sub linebacker. He played some slot corner. He can play, you know, high safety. If you need him to, he could be center fielder. Like he can do so many different things on this defense too. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized, uh, because I hope he is back. Um, okay. So don't have to say him, uh, Robert Spillane. You mean the best linebacker on the Steelers, <laughs> Robert Spillane. Um, honestly, I'm going to say yeah. And the reason being is because you're already going to lose Devin Bush. At least, I mean, not yet, technically, but no, we, no, we know it's, yep. but, but, but it's going to happen. And are the Steelers going to pay Miles Jack $12.5 million? That, like, because if, you're, if they're not, then you'd be losing Bush, Jack, and Spillane if you don't keep them. And those are the three linebackers who, uh, outside of, what, who's the little guy? The, the seventh rounder that came in. And I say little uh, Mark guy, Robinson. Little. Mark Robinson. Outside of Mark Robinson, you're losing the three guys that played the most snaps during the season. And so because of that, I'm going to say that he's going to be back. I think they could bring him back on a cheaper deal because – Despite Chris Collinsworth's efforts, I don't think teams are going to value him as the best linebacker <laughs> on the Steelers. Um, so I, I think you can get him back on a team-friendly contract. He's serviceable enough where he's a he's a decent depth piece for you, but I do think they're going to have to find starters elsewhere. I don't want him to be a starting linebacker next year, but I think he's brought back because I'm not so confident that they're going to pay Miles Jack that $12.5 million that he's owed next year, and then – you're already losing Bush. So they need linebackers from somewhere and they're not going to just going to appear. They're not going to get enough from free agency and the draft to really make up for it. I think so. You got to keep at least one. Maybe we should have done something too. Cause you brought up Mitch earlier, maybe in, in a miles Jack. Now, maybe we should have done something like guys that they can get out of their contracts or something like Chooks, Mitch, miles Jack. I, I wouldn't bring him back at his number. I think Miles Jack is going to be back at that number. I because of the lack of options. I think he's going to be back next year at that number. But I agree with you on Spillane being back as well. I just think that they they like him too much. You know, hopefully it's in a little bit of a reduced role, even if it's for a guy like Mark Robinson. Like give him a shot to kind of take over that role. I don't know, but they like Spillane as the as the coverage linebacker and backer and signal caller. Like they trust him. That trust that they put in him. 
for whatever reason. But I will say, like, I'm, I'm not ruling out linebacker being taken relatively early in the draft either. Like, I don't th- necessarily think it's something like people can bring up. I brought up some names at middle linebacker last week. People continue to bring up Trey Edmonds. I don't think they go big fish hunting at the position, but I think it could be something that we see within like the first three rounds of the draft, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, depending on what they do at 17, I don't know. Like, whether they are able to take a tackle at 17 that they like or if they take a corner. To me, I, 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 I'm I still going to drive. I would love Noah Sewell at 32. That that's that would be probably – that would you know be my guy just, who I would want them to pick. I just watched a linebacker today, uh, Drew Sanders, out of Arkansas, and I like him a lot. I think that he's kind of – the NFL is weird. It always has like these transition periods where you're like – so now teams are starting to run the ball a little bit again. Like they're, they're seeing that that's a key to success. Like mm-hmm. you see what happens when you can't run the ball. You're the Buffalo bills in the playoffs, but t- guys that like just drew Sanders is six foot five. He's a, he's a thumper, but he's also a really good athlete. And it seems like those are the type of linebackers. Does it sound like anybody else? Tremaine Edmonds and Buffalo. Um, it's that seems to be like the player that people are starting to covet again is guys with size that are rangy. They can also offer something as, you know, in blitz packages. I'm not saying that the Steelers are going to draft Drew Sanders. I'm just saying like that type of linebacker seems to be the way that the NFL is starting to trend again with teams running the football again, because for a few years, it just seemed like every team was going pass heavy air raid offenses. I think you're starting to see teams look for more of a balance on offense again, and you're going to see that type of linebacker be coveted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's several options that they have probably within the first four picks that you could get a linebacker. And in my opinion, linebacker is a top three need on on for this draft. I mean, I, I don't really have an order on it right now, but my my top three needs are corner, linebacker, tackle. So not to be a homer, but how would you feel about if they didn't take one early, Sirfacia Dennis being back in Pittsburgh? I I, I wouldn't hate it. Um, I, I think he has a lot of talent. Um, I, I think that there's a couple guys from Pitt that they could uh, look at. Elijah. And yeah, I, I, I think he, he's a guy. If he's sitting there, then, then the Steelers are in like round four or something that he's available. I think they, they could look at taking him. Um, but th- there's a few guys I think that within the first, because they got four picks within the first three rounds. So I, I think that you can definitely expect a linebacker to be taken there because you're losing at least Bush that you know of. Um, and I don't think they're, they're going to expect Mark Robinson to fill that role completely uh, yeah. going forward. So I would expect the linebacker at least in the first three rounds. I would say even as early as pick 32, because like I said, my guy, I would love Newell Sewell at 32, but don't expect that to happen. There's only, f- uh, and I don't love the class as a whole. There's like four guys that I would take that I think can be starters like right away. So, well, who are the four? You know, if they, um, obviously, like Noah Soul, Trenton Simpson. Um, why did I just forget his name already? Like, how how am I blanking on the Drew, Drew Sanders? Drew Sanders, and uh, Jack Campbell, Iowa, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. I like him. Those are the like, those like are the four that like, I think can play right away. But that's it. Yeah, it, I I've I mean I'm gonna sound like such a nerd already, or at least mock draft nerd for football people. But I I have done a few mock drafts where Jack Campbell's there in the third round. I would love him there. I I think that would be a great pick. Yeah, I know uh, Eddie, friend Eddie Provident is real high on him as well. 
but uh yeah we're just, this we're like combining topics now like yeah, we're talking sorry. about the draft too. Um, <laughs> uh, th- let's try to get through some of these uh a little bit quicker malik reed's gonna be a no for me um i just i don't think that they got what they wanted out of that i think that when they brought him in they the hope was he would be a really good rotational edge tj goes down he pretty much did nothing in tj's absence and uh yeah i just i don't think that the team loved what they got from the player and i think they move on He's a lot less of a who than Jesse Davis is, but if you would have said they would have made a they made a trade with the Broncos, but I don't know who the player is. I would be like who, because I don't know who I, I I would have really not noticed Malik Reed that much if if TJ Watt was never hurt, and even when he was hurt, he didn't, he didn't do anything in his absence. So yeah, I I don't think they bring him back. Um, Trenton Scott, who actually was like this year's healthy Zach Banner was the eligible tackler, like the sixth offensive lineman a lot, swing tackle. Um, he's actually listed as a guard here, which is interesting. But I I mean, this one could be either. He's not going to be expensive. If they like what they saw from him as the extra offensive lineman this year enough where he was that guy, they could. Um, I, I guess I'll say, yeah. Like, he, he was on the field, I think, enough as an eligible uh, receiver and as that sixth lineman. Like, I, I think they bring him back. I'll say yeah too, just because you got to keep some of your linemen. I mean, obviously, I know not all of all of the five are are like free agents or anything like the starting five. But as far as depth goes, you need to have some people around. So I'd say yes. Yeah, he also came into a game briefly when Chooks had to leave. Like obviously, they got the same five starters all year, but there was a game where Chooks had to leave due to something. He only missed a few plays, but he was in there. So yeah, he is like the next in line guy. So uh, Carl Joseph, unfortunate that he miss this year after getting hurt but where are you at with this uh so i'm gonna say no <laughs> okay you said keep, keep it short and quick i'm gonna say no i i don't obviously the injury didn't help him any he wasn't able to be on the field and mm-hmm. it's funny because i was just i just kept talking about i was just talking about how they're going to need safety help um because i think that Edmonds is going to leave but i just i don't think that carl joseph will be back and i think they're going to find it elsewhere yeah, I agree. Um, injuries unfortunate, but uh, yeah, I just think that he probably looks for a different situation too. Um, you know, he's what twenty nine years old. Yeah, I just I don't see him being back. Uh, this one's interesting for me because I have a different answer than I would have had a couple days ago. Miles Boykin. Mm. They just resigned Anthony Miller. Mm-hmm. They are going to have Calvin Austin and George Pickens and Deontay. Um, I don't know because now, now you, you you added a little extra pressure because you said you're going to change your answer than you would have had a few days ago. I'm going to say no, right? Uh, just just because I I honestly don't know when it comes to wide receiver. I still think they're going to draft one because the Steelers like to draft receivers. They have three that they know are going to be around it seems like with Deontay George Pickens and Calvin Austin next year um mm-hmm. Anthony Miller up in the air how much production that he'll have going into next season or if he makes a team or whatever out of fall camp but outside of that I I don't really know what they're going to do at receiver typically the steel the Steelers will keep five or six so I'm but I'm gonna say no just because I think it'll be elsewhere so I was a yes because of everything that he adds on special teams too. I think they love him as a special teams player. And with most of that unit being up for new contracts, I would have thought he'd be back. 
he's a decent backup to have as an outside receiver too. However, after the team signed Dan Chisnia off of the Vikings practice squad to a futures deal, who was actually a very good special teams player <laughs> for the Vikings, he ran a 4-3-2-40, the exact same 40 time as Calvin Austin. This dude can fly. He's a great special teams player. I think that he's going to be a cheaper version of Miles Boykin. And for that reason, my answer has switched from yes to no after they signed him to a futures deal. This dude went to Penn State? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cut him. <laughs> they, they literally just signed him to a futures deal. So Cut I didn't know much about him, but I looked into him afterwards. Um, yeah. 4-3-2-40. Really good special teams player in Minnesota. Um, I think that he is their way of, again, trimming some fat in terms of salary and, and getting a cheaper option in house for a special teams player. So, uh, Jameer Jones. Oh, wait, he's an exclusive rights guy. Never mind. Benny Snell. Uh, no. <sighs> this is, I'm also, I'm on the fence. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, because I think that there's probably a team where he can go and be the backup running back. That's obviously not going to happen here with what we saw from Jalen Warren this year. There's probably a little bit better of an opportunity for him somewhere else. I think the Steelers would like to have him back mainly for what he does on special teams as opposed to actually as a runner. Um, given, you know, when he's been called upon, there are times where he's had... Good. Yeah. I mean, like this year against Indy, he had to take on an increased role. Um, but I just, I think there's greener grass somewhere else for Benny Snell uh, as opposed to just being like a strictly special teams guy. So Yeah, I think you can only ask if somebody's going to come back so many times. And we've asked that a couple times, it feels like, with Benny Snell over the last couple seasons. So I I think he's going to be gone. Um, I mean, you, you have Jalen Warren. They still have Anthony McFarlane. I don't know what they're going to do with them. Um, Anthony McFarlane, honestly, to me, could be cut this offseason. And that wouldn't surprise yeah. me. So I, I, I think that they could also look at another f- like free agent running backs just for death pieces, or they could draft one late in the draft. I don't know. It just seems like replacing your third running back just seems really easy to me because he doesn't even play that much anyway. And so it, it, I just think he's going to be elsewhere. Uh, and the last one, this could be pretty interesting too. Zach Gentry. <laughs> how much money would he make? Like that's, that's the thing. Like I don't know, he's only I, making 716,000 on the, on this call. Like it was his rookie contract as a, a fifth round pick. So I don't know. The problem is with the Steelers. Cause like at the tight end position, they got Pat Fryer move. Who's a good receiving tight end, not an amazing blocking tight end. They have Zach Gentry. Who's okay. at Receiving tight end, not an amazing blocking tight end. And they have, and then they have Connor Hayward who, I mean, he, he, he's amazing. I'm not going to say a bad word about him, but you, you know, he's Connor Hayward. He's also like six, two. So I, it's tough because I feel like I want to say yes, just because I, I, I feel like honestly, he, he caught more balls than I thought he was going to this, this season and had a more elevated role within the offense. But I just yeah. think that they need to add a more like run heavy blocking tight end. And I feel like he would be the one to go. I mean, he definitely would be. They're not going to cut Fryermuth or Hayward, and so mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say no because they need that really 
protection tight end more than they need another receiving tight end. Yeah, uh, same, because I, I think that they add a tight end this offseason. I don't know if it will be in the draft, but it's going to be a guy that like doesn't even run routes, in my opinion. Like He stays in line to block pretty much all the time because that's what they're missing in that room right now is a true blocking tight end. So I think that that's like, like a Matt Spath type, basically. Yeah. I think that that's what they're looking for at the position to bring in, uh, which is uh, Zach Gentry. Very well liked. It's awesome. Like it's hilarious to see him and Pat's relationship, but uh, I just, I don't think that it makes sense. Honestly, dude's a mountain. Yeah. Six, eight Michigan man, but we'll be seeing you. Yeah. All right. We had a lot of similar. We had a lot of the same. I think there were very few yeah. that we were different on, but um, well, you know, we're both smart. Out. So we, we know what's going on. <laughs> Yeah, we like I said, we didn't know what each one was going to say before. So uh, this is not Steelers related, but obviously NFL related. Four teams left in the NFL playoffs. We are about to approach uh, championship Sunday. Chiefs or Bengals? Chiefs. Listen, I obviously the Chiefs are going to want a revenge game from. Well, realistically, their previous three meetings. Um, because Patrick Mahomes has yet to beat Joe Burrow. Uh, but I, I, I think that the chiefs are going to win as a revenge game specifically for that AFC championship last year. Um, and I know I I've seen you personally, like you have, like, you don't get the love for Joe or you don't get the obsession with Joe Burrow and from, from like some Steeler fans and like wanting the Bengals to win. I don't want the Bengals to win. I will never want the Bengals to win. I do love Joe Burrow as a quarterback, but that still doesn't mean I want the Bengals to win. I can separate the two. I love Joe Burrow. I think he's a great quarterback, and I love watching him. But I want the Bengals to lose. I think they're going to lose. Um, and the reason being, I just think that the Chiefs are going to be really amped up. I mean, they were the, the Bengals are calling it Burrowhead. I really think there's a lot to really like about the Chiefs in this game, not just like on the on the uh, field, but just like the script for the game. It's the revenge game at Arrowhead again, which is now apparently Burrowhead. Um, yeah, I just think the Chiefs are going to be out for blood. I mean, okay, Baker Mayfield is three and zero versus Joe Burrow. Jake Plummer was three and zero versus Tom Brady. Like, why are people making it seem like because Joe Burrow's three and zero against Patrick Mahomes that he's the better quarterback? That's not taking anything away from Joe Burrow. I just don't think anybody is a better quarterback in the league right now than Patrick Mahomes. No, but I will um, say, and I've I've seen some other people say this, but I I personally think this too. Now, like I I think the gap is closed between Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. I think Joe Burrow's ahead of him. Josh Allen needs to perform in the playoffs for me to have to have that happen. But see, here's here's my thing with that though. I don't think Joe Burrow is really performing in the playoffs. I think the defense is performing in the playoffs. The offense yeah. has yet to put up 30 points in any game. The most that they've given up defensively is 24. That was last year in the AFC Championship when they won. Burrow only has eight touchdown passes in his six playoff games, and he's only thrown for over 260 yards one time in the six playoff games. I think the story is more about what the defense has done over the last two years than it is about Joe Burrow. I agree that Josh Allen needs to do more in the playoffs, but what I I can't get on board with overall having him ahead of him yet. I think yeah. that he is like first off, I think Patrick Mahomes is is number one 
and and no one else is there there in that same tier. And then no, I don't him, think it, I don't know how anybody can argue that anybody's close to Patrick Mahomes. And that's just being me being completely frank. I don't think anybody's close. Yeah. Right. And, and that's that's where I'm at with it too. I mean, you have people saying now because like and that's why I'm so worried like if 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 Burrow and the Bengals do beat Mahomes on Sunday, with Mahomes having a bad ankle, like that, first off, that's not even going to be taken into consideration, I don't think, by these people. Burrow is going to be considered the number one quarterback in football. Well, you know, I, I kind of liked, and I, normally I, I disagree with so much of what this guy says, but Nick Wright, <laughs> he, on, on Monday, he was talking about the three best quarterbacks in football are Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes on one leg. <laughs> I was wondering. I was. I thought. I didn't know if you were to say Josh Allen there or what. Okay. No, no. I mean, Patrick that's going to be interesting. Be interesting <laughs> to see. I don't know if you saw the video of him walking out of the press conference, Mahomes today. He looked pretty much the same. Like I, I, there wasn't a noticeable limp, and he was probably making like a concerted effort to not show it. Oh, believe he, me, he is like me. In tenth grade, I had a high ankle sprain as well. And it, I did it during musical season for everybody. I was in musicals and I walked into my chorus room in high school with the straightest ankle that I could make because I did not want to show that my chorus instructor, who was also the musical director, that I had a high ankle sprain because I had to practice for a dance routine that was coming up soon. So I knew she would be ticked if I she knew that I had a high ankle sprain from playing basketball at my church. Um, yeah. So, I'm, of, of course, I'm sure he was doing his best effort to, like, show. And I, I feel like that's sportsmanship. Like, like that, that's just gamesmanship, like, not showing yeah. that anything's wrong with him. Yeah. Um, my pick for this game, unfortunately, I got the Bengals because of this injury to Patrick Mahomes. And I am going to absolutely hate the discourse that comes with it following this game. But I think it's once again going to be for most people, the story is going to be Joe Burrow beating Patrick Mahomes again. For me, the story is going to be Cincinnati's defense once again finding a way. I mean, they shut out KC in the second half last year. I, I think that they have a really nice game again on Sunday. And I think that if Patrick Mahomes didn't have the high ankle sprain, I'm probably picking KC in a close one here. But because of that, I'm picking Cincinnati in a game where I think the defense only gives up like 17 to 20 points and their offense puts up 24 to 27. Yeah, I mean, I I think it go could go either way. I'm ba- mainly going off of the the revenge game sort of feel. For I like it. I like the storyline for, for the Chiefs. Um, honestly, so I don't know. Also, I, I just want to put out there too my my personal opinion on Joe Burrow being over Josh Allen doesn't isn't just banking off of just this one game either. I'm looking at this whole season as a whole too. Because I thought Josh Allen outside of the first two yeah. months really kind of like dipped down. He was pl- he played he's playing every week, but I wonder how much that elbow injury impacted yeah. him this year because he wasn't yeah. the same guy. Oh, and it sucked because because the the Bills could barely run the ball too. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's that- easily their best running <laughs> running back. I mean, maybe like a <laughs> second year leap from James Cook, but I wouldn't be. Eh. I mean, I, I said I didn't want to blend draft talk into this, and I think he goes a lot higher. But like, imagine if Bajan Robinson was there for them to take at the end of round one. How do you not yeah. do that? Yeah, I, I think it makes sense. They need a running back. Whenever like Devin Singletary, James Cook, and Naeem Hines is your running back room, I don't really see a true starter out of any of those three. So, 
Yeah. Uh, and Eagles and 49, which interesting too, is we both had chiefs 49ers right in the super bowl, but you had 49ers yeah. winning it. So mm-hmm. I'm actually switching my pick in the AFC because of Mahomes' injury here now at this point, which sucks. And I'm not going to be one of those people. Like I, I, I fully admit that I'm switching my pick. So if the chiefs win next week, I'm not gonna be like, Oh, well at the beginning of the playoffs, I said chiefs would be in the AFC. I'm not gonna do that. I'm switching my pick to Bengals at this point. Um, Eagles 49ers. What do you got? You know, I, I would have easily picked the 49ers if I didn't see the Eagles completely <laughs> demiserate the, the Giants. And also, my I, I picked the Giants, by the way, in that game. You remember when, yeah. we, when we made picks? Mm-hmm. I picked the Giants. They got absolutely embarrassed. Um, so my pick would have been easier if the Eagles didn't beat the Giants as bad as they did, as well as... I, I didn't like the way that the Giants or the 49ers offense looked in that game against Dallas. I, I, I just I didn't think that they looked that good. And I, I think that was the, the first time that I like Brock Purdy was still okay, but he definitely looked like the rookie quarterback that um, wasn't as talented. Um, and I, I, I think that the defense easily won them that game. I, I do think that the. I think it will come down to whether I kind of like similar with the Cowboys, what I think the defense for the 49ers is going to do against that Eagles offense. That Eagles offense is so potent though. Um, It's, it's really tough for them to to match up. I feel like Um, because you, you add the running element with, with Jalen hurts. Plus you have AJ Brown. I mean, Miles Sanders in the backfield and uh, Devontae Smith. I'm not even talking about Goddard. Goddard. you've got so many weapons on that offense. Honestly, you switched in the AFC. I'm going to switch in the NFC. I think the Eagles are going to win. And I, I think it's just because I saw the wrinkles of that, that 49ers offense, because we could, people have been talking about like, and I, I still think it's true. Like Kyle Shanahan's system is so good that you were able to just fit whatever quarterback you needed in there. And he's going to be able to operate and run it perfectly. As long as he doesn't kill you. And I don't think he killed mm. them against the Cowboys. But I don't think he operated it perfectly either, and I don't think that they they looked that great. And I just think that the Eagles have a good enough defense to be able to do a similar job to what the Cowboys did. And then I don't think that the 49ers defense has faced um, the playoffs, what the caliber that they're going to see with the Eagles offense. So I'm going to flip in the NFC, and I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win. You were incorrect in saying that I was flipping in the AFC because I'm actually flipping in both because I also have the Eagles beating the 49ers in this one. Um, I just, like you said, I I think that for Brock Purdy, seeing Dallas's defense was a step up. This is even a step above that. 70 sacks this year from that Eagles defense. I mean, they got the best defense in front in football. Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick. Uh, even, you know, Brandon Graham at his age has brought a lot. And that's not even talking about like they went out and got Robert Quinn and he basically did nothing for them. Like it was kind of pointless, but like uh, Josh Sweat has been fantastic for them too. really good secondary. I mean, every move that they made this offseason has seemed to hit like CJGJ for them has been fantastic. James Bradbury has been fantastic. Darius Slay has kind of turned back the clock after one down year, his first year in Philly. Yeah. I think that they just have too much. I don't think there's a team close to them. So like, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick Philly to win the Super Bowl when we do the show next week too. Uh, I just, I don't think that there's a team that can match up with them on both sides of the football. They need to win the game. Which they're going to by at least 10, in my opinion. (laughs) I just, I I don't think like, 
watching and the San Fran in Philadelphia. Yeah. San Fran's defense is fantastic. And I think there's a lot of playmakers on that offense. I just, that's a hard situation to trust any quarterback in, let alone a seventh round rookie. I don't care how well he's played up to this point. Yeah. Honestly, you know, like the whole defense wins championships. I feel mm-hmm. like that 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 script is flipping in the, the NFL. I think whoever has a better offense is going to win. If you have a, yeah. I, I I think I think really good defenses win win games, but I I think if you can outscore it, people, that's better. Yeah, I mean, in this game though, we might be looking at like one and two defensively. Like yeah. regardless of yeah, all yeah, the yeah. numbers stack up that way. I think they're close enough defensively, but Philadelphia Philadelphia is so far ahead offensively. Yeah, but I'm just talking like even looking at that that Cincinnati and Bills game. The yeah. Bills have a solid defense, and so so does Cincinnati. I just think like like, and this is kind of a trend that I've seen. I mean, obviously the NFL has been very offensive the past few years, and they, it's getting more offensive still. I just think that. The, the, to, in my opinion, and I'm not even like looking at it from, I'm not trying to say like defensive minded guys are wrong. Like obviously defense is very important still, but to my, in my opinion, I think that the NFL in general is trending where we need to outscore teams as opposed to stopping them. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I think it's also officiated that way. Like they know the fans yeah. want to see points. So like offense, they, they, they make it easier for the offense to do so. So yardage and points are just easier to come by. It's much harder to play defense in the league now. So, yeah, it is definitely an offensive-driven league for sure. But, um, all right, so you got Chiefs and Eagles. I got Bengals and Eagles. So I flipped both my teams. What can I say? Wow. Can't Uh, trust this guy. Longer episode this week. We haven't talked about hockey yet, so let's do that now. Uh, Since we last spoke... Penguins have played four games. They've gotten at least a point in all of them, but overtime loss to Sens, uh, win versus the Sens, overtime loss to the Devils, and then a win versus the Panthers. Um, I, I don't even know what to say about this team right now. Like They're just so... It, the only consistency that they have is the inconsistency that they bring on a game-to-game basis. And I'm talking from the first 20 minutes to the next 20 minutes. They can be really good and really bad. Like Even that... that maybe the best stretch of hockey that they played over those four games from a total game was the overtime loss to the devils. That might've been their best game over those four stretches. I mean, Mm -hmm. they gave up their fourth fewest shots that they have this season. I thought that they were really good in all three areas of the game. They just couldn't buy a goal against VTech Vanacek other than Crosby's only marker. So um, (coughs) I, where I'm at with this team, they're just so hard to to gauge where this team is at on any given night. And it's not going to get any better the next two without Tristan Jari, who came back, played really well, and now is out again with an injury. I mean, this is a problem. Like, I, I don't know where you stand on this, but I for sure think, and the organization should have already seen this, you certainly need to find a different goaltender somewhere, a more reliable one to go with Tristan Jari. But even in Tristan Jari's case, how do you extend a guy that is missing this type of time year in and year out? This like, is just for this forward, is what we talked about. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. For a forward, it's like I guess more palatable. But when you're talking about like what's supposed to be your number one goaltender missing these stretches of hockey, it's just like how do you how do you re up this guy and pay him as one of the better goaltenders in the league, despite the fact that when he is playing, he is. It's just tough. 
Yeah. This is honestly what we've talked about prior to the season starting. We said that the Penguins are kind of in a pickle because they don't really have much other options at the number one goaltending spot within the organization. So they'd have to look look outside the organization if they did want a different starting goalie and didn't want to pay Tristan Jari. And on the same turn, like Tristan Jari had to prove like not only can he keep up with play wise, but health wise too. And he hasn't been able to do that this season on the health wise part. And it, it's tough because you, you got to be able to rely on this guy to be in there night in and night out as your number one goalie. You got to expect him to play like 45, 50 games a year. And I don't think Tristan Jari has come anywhere really close to that. Um, it, it, just because of health and, I, I think he's the number one goalie when he's in there, but the, the Penguins' decision has not gotten any easier. I mean, who knows if Hextall is even going to be the one that makes that decision this offseason. But it, it, it's going to be a tough decision for what the Penguins are going to do in net. I do think they, they – I, I think they should add one at before the deadline um, if they're in a position where they think they're going to contend in for either a playoff spot or where they are in a position that they can make a run. I think they need to. Um just for the health reasons, honestly, an insurance policy, because you've seen that with Tristan Jari out, you're not going to get the goaltending to be able to, to win you games. Even if the team is playing okay in front of you, you don't have goalies behind Jari that can make you a save when you really need it. Um, that, so that sucks. But I, I just, it, it's really tough with when it comes to the decision with Jari. It, it, and I, I feel for him because Injuries are something that you can't really control. It's kind of out of your control as a player. Um, but at the same time, like you got to be on the ice and we got to rely on you. So I, I feel bad for him as a person, but as a hockey player, like I, I, we need you to be on the ice in order to, for you to get that contract. And for, honestly, for the Penguins to win games on a consistent basis, it feels like. For sure. Yeah. And what really stinks about this is you want to have all these conversations about adding another goaltender because from like a hockey standpoint, it seems like they definitely need to do so. Casey DeSmith isn't just here this year. Like he's signed for $1.9 million next season as well. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a conundrum that Ron Hextall, again, it's another contract that is given out that is aging pretty poorly. And you just wonder, like, how do you get out of it? And we have so many contracts on the team right now that we're wondering that exact same question. So don't know what the team does about this, but even looking forward, like beyond this season, you got to start having those thoughts. Like how do you bring back Tristan Jari? And if so, what does that contract look like? And next season, are you just running it back with the same <laughs> goaltending duo again? Like look at what it's gotten you the last two postseasons, And now the position that you're in this regular season due to these absences. Yeah, I think it, I think it's really tough because you look at the organization as a whole. There's nobody in Wilkesbury that's kind of like nipping at the heels at really either either of them for the backup spot or the starter spot. It, yeah. The the goaltending position, and we talk about how bare the Penguins like uh, positionally are in their prospects. Mm-hmm. I would say there's probably more value at least potential NH- NHL players on the horizon. I I, I do think that. Uh, Joel Blomquist eventually makes it to the NHL, but that's not going to be next season. Um, right. I, I think this is his first year in the AHL. So I don't think there's anybody that is currently within the organization that's even close to being a starter or a backup. So it, 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 it's tough. But as far as the Penguins games go, yeah, they're a roller coaster. Um, it is nice that they got four points this past week. In, or they, they Points in all four games, excuse me. Um, so that that's better than losing in regulation. But like you, that that game against the Devils, 
that was probably the best game that they played in that stretch. Um, and even though they did lose two to one in overtime, one yeah, one after the first period, and then yeah, the stupid penalty. Um, but it was just a really good and competitive hockey game from then on out. Um, scoreless the rest of the way in regulation, but I thought that that Sens game, the first one in Ottawa, was awful. That was that was a pathetic effort. Um, they managed to get a point out of it, but I, I just thought against that team, you should have been able to get four points out of those two games on that weekend instead of just the three. Um, they made up for it in Pittsburgh. And then the, the game that happened last night as a recording this, <laughs> the, the one against the Panthers, I mean, I, I, who said they, they win easily if Tristan Jari's in net, though, or like, you know, oh, an NHL goalie is in net. Right. But right. And I forget, I don't know if it was somebody on Twitter I saw say this, but they were like, hockey is more fun when the goalies play bad. <laughs> and in a, in a yeah. sense that, that the is coaches kind of, hate it. Kind of fans love it. Yeah, exactly. Um, that that game was a roller coaster. Obviously, the the they ended up winning, and I know I know this was in the notes, so I'm just gonna bring it up now. But Chris Letang getting the game winner, such an emotional moment for him and the rest of the team. What he's gone through, honestly, the past like month and a half has has been wild for Letang. And so for him to be able to come back and cap off that game and cap off that moment by scoring that game winning goal in overtime. I don't think you could have scripted it any better. Kind of similar, like like that Malkin goal earlier this year uh, mm-hmm. on his 1,000th game, get, get, getting the game winner there. I, I don't think you could have scripted it any better. Yeah, um, stroke, lower body injury, and then death of his father, all within a relatively short period of time. And you know, we talked about how cool the story was of the team instead of flying home from Phoenix, Arizona, they decided to go to Montreal for for Chris's dad's funeral as a team, like literally every player on the team went and did that. So just speaks to the organization, how close knit they are as a group and what teammates mean to each other on and off the ice. And then for him to return in this fashion, become the first uh, defenseman in NHL history to score an even strength goal assist, and then a power play goal and assist with a goal being in overtime first defenseman in NHL history to do so. So that's really cool to be able to add to in his first game back. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine what he's feeling in that moment, but what a boost for the team as well. Uh, just to just to see that and, and feel that. And you saw in the locker room afterwards when he gets the you know thing that they, the helmet that they pass around the the warrior thing and put it on. You could tell he was emotional in his voice. Couldn't see his full face obviously because of what he was wearing, but uh, you could feel the emotion that he was talking with, and just such a cool moment for them. And that maybe is a springboard for them you know i think having Latang back in itself is obviously very important but winning a game like that might propel them too with the inconsistencies that we've seen from this team yeah probably not but it could be one of those moments and hopefully they just continue to get healthier and healthier but it just seems like when a guy comes back another guy or two go out anyway like we don't know yet what's going on with teddy bluger but he left practice today now too so who knows but the defense is at least getting healthier i guess i can say that yeah, and that's that's better. I I thought the defense, um, at least when the thing was on the, on the ice, was great. Um, and I I think that obviously Latang is such a core piece to this team. But like you said, to have a moment like that and the players being able to see that, just that emotion, that raw emotion, plus just what it means to the the team in general to be able to not only win that game in overtime for to have that player do it the way they, they did, I, I think this could be like a, a turning point for the team 
I'm hoping so. And with, with Tristan Jari eventually coming back, uh, ho- hopefully that's able to be a more stable return. But I, I think that you could see kind of like a change of the guard and the team start to play better, at least in front of their goalies. Whether their goalies play better or not, who knows? Yeah. But I, I, I think the guys in front of them could start to play more consistently moving forward. So the Penguins only have two games left before uh, the All-Star break. Um, they only have two games until from now until February 7th. So that is the earliest that we would see Tristan Jari based off Sullivan's comments today. Um, how would you go about the goaltending for these next two games? They bring up Dustin Tokarski. Would you go one and one? Would you give to Smith both? Are you at the point with the Smith where you want to, where you, you know it won't happen, but you would want to see Tokarski in both? Like, How would you want to see these next two games go from a goaltending standpoint? Based off the performance that DeSmith had against the Panthers, and I, I we even even talk about that one goal where he tried to come out and poke it, and it just got poked past him. He didn't react fast enough. He waited too long. Completely embarrassed. Terrible goal to let up. Just stay in your net at that point. Um, I, I would start Tukarski at least against Washington on Thursday, and then depending on how Tokarski plays in that Washington game, maybe you give him the game against the Sharks as well. But I'm looking at just the first game, which is tomorrow night, um, mm-hmm. being Thursday. I'm definitely starting Tokarski based off of the performance we saw on Tuesday night against the Smith. I just don't think he deserves to get the starting nod in that back-to-back game. I, I, I would go with a different goaltender because just that goal alone, that pissed me <laughs> off so much that I would go with any other goaltender. Emergency (laughs) goaltender. I I saw people saying that online, like, have we ever seen an e-bug not even due to an injury just because of performance? But uh, is that what you think happens, though? Yes. Really? Okay. I mean, because that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping it's the cars. The only reason I say that is because even though we, we we see stability in lineup decisions from Mike Sullivan, I think we've seen a couple times this season alone that there has been a bad performance of a goalie. And then the goal, I mean, earlier this year, we were talking about Tukarski and I said, we would, we would give him the start. I forget which game we were talking about. It was like a month ago, but mm-hmm. we thought that the Smith would get the start, but we said we would get, we would start Tukarski similar scenario. It was a poor performance for the Smith. And I think that Sullivan has shown like after a b- bad performance like that, he's willing to go to the other goaltender. And honestly, I think without Tristan Jari, it makes the, the decision any easier because honestly, what's the drop off going to be from the Smith to Karski If you start to instead, it's not going to be that big of a drop off. If at all, he could play better. So without Jari being even an option, I think the decision gets really easy no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm hoping for, but I, I think, I, I mean, you're right. He does seem to be more willing to pull the trigger when it comes to changing things up when it comes to the net as opposed to the forward and defensive groups. So maybe that is reason to think it will be Tukarski. In my mind, though, I see it as the Smith against the Caps and Tukarski against the Sharks, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. So leave it at that. Okay. Um. I think that's it, though. I think that's it. Uh, unless you have anything else. No, just longer show. Going through yeah. those free agents took up a, took about quite a bit of time. Right. But... Which I am going. I'm actually going to try to start doing this for all the shows. But I know that a lot of people probably don't want to sit through an hour plus. Which even though like this one's an hour twenty, but typically right around an hour is what these shows run. I'm going to start also 
putting them up, uploading them separately as the topics like that we talk about. So you, if okay. you want to just catch like just the Steelers talk that we did or specifically with this show, it'll be just us giving predictions on the free agents. You can just watch that portion of the show in a separate video. So I'm going to start trying to do that as well and just making it easier for people that don't want to watch the entire episode, but are interested in, you know, one or two topics that are brought up throughout. So that sure. seems like a better way to go about things. Um, but other than that, uh, I will mention once again, as Tyler did at the beginning of the show, that the Isla Keen Future Fund link will be in the description of the show. Wherever you are watching or listening, if it is YouTube that you're watching on, be sure to leave us a thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, hit that notification bell, leave us a comment what you want to see in future shows follow us on instagram like us on facebook follow us on tiktok and twitter we have been posting a ton everywhere uh maybe other than facebook but we we throw reels <laughs> up there as well uh but yeah not too involved in the facebook community um leave us a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else you can still leave comments and stuff i believe there too Wh whatever wherever you're watching or listening do everything that you can on that platform so, and the last uh, reminder is go cyber bully your local USFL team <laughs> because you never know what will happen. There you go. And you know what? I'm just going to say it on here so you guys like so I can be responsible for this and you guys can get on me for this too because we've been really bad with it. It is now January 25th and we have not announced winners for any of the Rock Around the 412 prizes. Like they're literally still just sitting to my right right now. So that needs to happen. Um, if it's not as like a live show, we'll, we will do it as the beginning portion of next week's show or something, but just so everybody hears it and can get on me about it. I'm saying it out loud right now. So Tyler and literally everybody watching or listening will know that I'm acknowledging that I'm a horrible person and I'm terrible at life. <laughs> go cyber. But other than that, giving away the prizes. There you go. Yeah. Forget, forget <laughs> the, forget the USFL team for right now. Throw shade in my direction. Uh, other than that, this has been another episode of Around the 412 that we can't thank you guys enough for watching or listening to. And until next week, for Smitty, for Tyler, we'll see you then.